Hi everyone, you're listening to the Via Lucci podcast, uncensored and completely unedited discussions about life and everything in it. We hope you enjoy the show. Johnny, he's back. Big, I am back. Big John. And I, as I know, I will be back. And I, here I am. So, Oh, uh, you must be bursting to talk about movies. It's been, like, we haven't seen it's, you for a while. Well, it's been a while. And I think, you know, at the end of a pandemic, I think what we need is action. And what, that is what we're talking about did tonight. Did we see you before the pandemic? When did we see you last? Um... No, because we was at the Camden, weren't yeah, we? It was a while. We're at Camden. I'm trying to remember what we talked about. So that was after Westerns. No, it we... might. It was either Westerns or Fright Fest. Fright Fest, because you yeah. bought the uh, the items with yeah, you. Yeah, I bought the. Yes, okay. it was with the the tally. That's thing. it. Um, so tonight, action movies um, might be a good time because we've of course Bruce Willis retiring. Yeah. Because of his um, sad brain condition, it might. Yeah, be a lot like, of people we still don't know about that. Do we? What's he got? Do we know? Basically, what it is is he's he's had as time's gone on. This is actually verified by the the production people who've worked with him. That actually, as he got on, um, he was acting to rely on idiot cards and everything else. And at some point, earpieces. He as was well. even yeah. he was even saying to people, "I know why you're here, but I don't know why I'm here." Damn. So like basically, it's, it's well, it's a brain aneurysm that kind of is it's. It's a bit like dementia in a way, but it's it's something that has um, it's plagued him for a while, and then eventually it was announced on social media by his family, by his wife, and um, but in a way, you know, I mean, his he although he's retired, I think I certainly think that if I was to include any action hero, I certainly think he on the strength of the very first Die Hard, I think he would be that. Um, if so, if so, yeah, it's really sad. That's sad. It is, cause he, he's a proper legend. He's a proper legend. And anything to do with that sort of if you just got old, but if you start f- losing the plot a little bit, that's got to be terrible. Do you know, because you sort of forget everything that's he, he was a man who was known. I always thought of him um, as being a very charming, charismatic yeah, actor, yeah, and, yeah. and that when he had a charm and a twinkle about yeah. him, and that that's that was his star appeal. Mm. And and it's a shame that that his illness is. It, might might dilute that a little bit. So has he gone? Has he finished? He's basically done and dusted. There's sub, uh, he's got several films which are waiting to be released, but okay. ultimately there'll be nothing more. He won't be doing anything else. But what's interesting is he wasn't classified as an action hero when yeah. he did die out. I mean, the interesting thing is, is okay. So if history had gone a different way, who do you think would have been the iconic action hero of all time? Based on, if you've sort of done your, your research, if you base it, there's one... There's somebody in the 80s. There's one star name, there's one superstar name that if he had actually played the the characters in the original oh, films... Oh, right. Well, somebody that was going to kick off. So so, someone who was up for roles. But he was up them. for roles, but basically through twist of fate and because of his own choices, right. who would you think would be an iconic action hero? From the 80s, he would have been. No. 90s. And I'll give you a clue. Go on. If he did, he'd do it his way. Oh, come on. Really? Well, okay, so... I was going to say Frank because, Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so this is the, how it goes. He was originally up for Dirty Harry and John McClane. So I'll explain a bit of history. Yeah. In 1968, he did a film called The Detective, where he played a guy called Joe Leyland. The follow-up book is called Nothing Lasts Forever, in which Joe Leyland, who's a 60-year-old character, goes to see his daughter in Los Angeles when it's a commandeered by terrorists. So oh, right. in yeah. the first instance, 
he was originally going to play Harry Callahan, and it was going to be New York. The original title of the of the film was Dead Right. It was written by Harry and Rita Mick. It was Harry and Rita Fink. They'd done this script. He broke his hand and he had to step out. Hence, Clint Eastwood relocated the script with after different things to thing. In the case of Nothing Glass Forever, he had first refusal on any sequel. So who, what? Who did? Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. So basically, oh, you were talking about Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. That, yeah. So basically, what happened was he um, he was the option was if he if they're ever going to make a movie on Nothing Lost Forever, he was going to have first refusal. He said basically, I'm too rich and too old, so he went out. I think he was about seventy. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah, it can't yeah, have been him because yeah. surely he's too old for that. But that said, um, I think it works out well. Now, Die Hard had been turned down by God knows how many stars, and then it just so happened that Joel Silver happened to be on a plane with Bruce Willis's um, agent, Arnold oh. Rifkin. And they basically, based on it, it's, it's quite a weird one because he, they actually paid him $5 million for the first film, and he was untried and untested. He had two films, Blind Bruce Date. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah. He'd had a modest hit with uh, Blind Date, and then Sunset had failed. I saw the trailer the other day. It looks awful. It's a really dreadful... Is that he did? Is that before Wyatt the, the Earp and Tom Mix? It's oh. he did it at around the same time as Blind Date. But believe me, I watched the trailer the other day, and believe me, I can understand why it failed. It was <laughs> he done no action films to that point. He'd done Moonlighting. Yeah, was that an action film? That was a TV show. TV series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was a six week window. He got the opportunity to make Die Hard, and then he had to go back and do the shooting. Oh, so the day after he got five million, every other actor's skin price went up to five million. Right. And that became the error yeah. of it. But also what you've got to remember is Die Hard is actually a modestly budgeted film. It, you know, the Fox people weren't sure about it. It was given a limited release in 1988. It's also significant is that it's a Christmas movie that was never released at Christmas because <laughs> it was released in July 1988 in America. And it was yeah, you think they would have been on top of that. And February 1989, although it gets classified as a thing. Is it Christmas or Thanksgiving? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Oh, so it's Thanksgiving. So they, you know, and then, of course, the Christmas theme had happened, although the later films, I mean, with A Vengeance and Good Day to Die Hard and um, Die Hard 4.0 or Live Free or Die Hard, whichever it was, were not technically Christmas things. They were more set in that. So, but it... but. For me, it's one of my all-time favorite films because, it again, it was against the grain because um, I had little expectation of it when it arrived because it was a TV series, it was a TV star. I thought TV stars don't make another big screen. When I saw it in 70 mil at the Odeon West End, it was like, okay, and it starts out, you know, and then you think, okay, but then it literally builds and builds and builds. What people seem to forget is they regard it as a great action movie, but the fact is for the first 20 minutes of the film, it's nothing more than exposition. Is that him and his There's wife? Him and his wife. He's going to the Nakatomi building to, to meet his wife. Except for the truck and the car arriving with Alexander Goodenough, there is no action. It's actually it's character development and slow build. Careful the bangers. Slow, slow to development and slow build. See, those, it's those 80 film, 80s films. I mean, nowadays, you'd have to start off with an action scene, and then you'd have to... Big explosion. You'd have then. to have a little action scene, and then you'd have to, every 10, 15 minutes, you'd have to have a shootout, a car chase. Yes, yeah, so it was quite ballsy at the time. But also, as well, what also made it was the fact that when Alan Rickman, spoiler alert, shoots Takagi, it is a deliberate plot point. And then, of course, there's several things. The way it is cleverly set up, because again, it's a, it's an interesting thing because every single split, every single element in that film, right from the get go, sets up the film to something even more. 
The funny thing is, is John McTiernan said at one point in the in the thing, he said, "People do not fit into air vents." <laughs> right. And yeah. they said, <laughs> and um, and also as well, you know, that they used a couple of in the climactic thing. They actually used samples of music from um, from a movie called Man on Fire, John Scott's music, and also Aliens. The music, James Horner's music was sampled for, oh. from Aliens, but. For me, Alan Rickman, I mean, the way that, you know, it's also the lines and it's also some incredible visual effects from Richard Edland, you know, the actual building blowing up, was shot on the Fox Plaza in America, which I actually visited back in 2013. You can actually stand on the walk and actually stand by it, but you can't go into the building. I mean, they're they're, they're very strict on security. So if you were so much even near the building, take photos, they actually take exception to it. But it's it's such an iconic building in Century City. How long was the gap before um, the second film? (sighs) Two years. Well, it was was the summer of 1990. But then by then, the sequel had become, you know, because of the original film and also because of video, because the the absence of video, it became a very popular hit, as did Lethal Weapon, which I'll talk about in a minute. He actually, that actually sort of made it an even bigger thing. And then the summer of 1990 was cluttered with movies that were actually kind of struggling to make their release date. Days of Thunder, Another 48 Hours, Die Hard. They were all competing for the big summer blockbusters. So Die Hard was on 2,000 screens and stuff, but they were building. I mean, the logistics of shooting the second film were even worse because they actually had to import snow because it was a son of things. So they had to (laughs) simulate it. Um, Again, the, the sequels, I think Die Hard with Vengeance is okay, um, but... but Die, Die Hard with Vengeance has a really good first hour or so. Yes. Like, like that that first bit, it kind of really tails off when it starts getting involved in the whole bit with the gold bullion and then the, the robbery bit. But it is, it but in a way, it's me. kind of parallels. It kind of parallels the first one because it's about, you know, Hans Gruber's mm. brother. Um, although I do think it has its moments. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the original film has such such a vibrant iconic idea but it's wonderful when you hear about the fact that it wasn't seen as that back in 88 it was actually something else lethal weapon for example we talk about now again that was a movie that again was very modestly budgeted was released in the spring of 1987 in the uk we got it in september of 1987 and again mel gibson it was his comeback movie um that movie kind of was was kind of like a spin-off of the whole the black and white theme buddy thing was yeah. actually a, things like 48 hours running scared with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines, which was set in Chicago, which is a pretty good, it's got Michael McDonald's sweet freedom in it. Right. It's about what had, um, what had Mel Gibson done before then? That's a, he done that's Mad a, Max. Oh, um, right. He did, he around 1984, 85, he did three or four films. He did Mrs. Soffle, the river, he did Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and... Um, two Mad Max films before he, he made... He did Mad Max 1 and Mad Max 2. So Mad Max had actually done well in Australia and had done well worldwide. But when it went to America, it was dubbed into American English. So Warner Brothers had faith in the film, but they had to rename it The Road Warrior in America because they hadn't. nobody had actually seen Mad Max. So oh. in, the, in the prologue of Mad Max 2, you actually see some of the scenes from Mad Max 1. It's sort of a narration, yeah. but it works really well on its own as a on its own as a thing. Uh, well, the, the Mad Max films are interesting because they're kind of really very separate films and, and there isn't a lot of continuity between them. And, that's, and that is interesting. In fact, they have said that the, the character, the gyrocopter uh, 
the, the character. He's a different character in the third film. He's someone yes, else. He's, yeah. he's actually a he's um he's actually a, a he's like a heli a plane um character who actually at the beginning of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, he actually sort of commandeers Max's um you know wagon and and horses and truck and they what it is he goes off to this this kind of new oasis called Bartertown where you can trade for anything and they've got this thing called Thunderdome which is if you if you want to throw down a fight you have to settle it in this domed arena and then it becomes like a lost children Peter Pan type thing it's not because I think they'd actually completed at the end of the second film it was actually completed because it was you know I mean Mad Max 2 has grown on me over the years I think it's 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 a much more sure thing although I like Mad Max 1 which is a brilliant Australian new wave movie with great some great stunts and it's got that kind of power to it. Was it uh, an Australian produced? Yes, oh, the was. Mad Max films were Australian produced. They were shot. Um, they, you know, it was made for about four hundred thousand in, um, and it was shot in various things. But the rule book for Australian stuntmen is different to everywhere else. I mean, um, <laughs> there is, there's a story, there's a, actually a 30th anniversary clip on YouTube of the, the principal actors from, with the exception of Mad Max, talking about Mad Max. Yeah. And apparently Steve Bisley, who played Goose, who's the, the blonde guy, who's the trivial guy, who actually is really good in it, he says, we used to turn up on set and all the bikers used to say, you know, actors, you're all going to fucking die today. Because <laughs> um, because they, you know, and, and the, you know, they, they were really, you know, you know the real hard-hearted Australians. That you know they're real macho and stuff. But um, what other big films had those sort of Australian companies done then? Was that well, an outlier? It was. It was a rarity even amongst the Australian new wave because at that time you had people like Fred Chapisi, Peter Weir, Bruce Beresford, who had made films like The Chance of Jimmy Blacksmith, Picnic at Kangen Rock, and also Breaker Morant. Now Breaker Morant was with Edward Woodward, who, right. and and. It was kind of, you know, until Crocodile Dundee came along, which became yeah. such a big hit, which had actually, again, was the crossover hit. It sort of, you know, had done really well in Australia, but then it became a huge hit yeah. in, in America. And then, you know, it became a hit. And it was the number one film in 1987, arrived in December 86. But the Australian New Wave created so many really interesting stylish things. They all went to America. Right, yeah. You know, so Philip Noyce, Fred Chapisha, they'd all gone off to America. So Philip Noyce did things like Clear and Present Danger. Peter Weir did oh. Witness and Dead Poet Society. Bruce Beresford did um, some other things. <laughs> but but they, they'd all found their potential. So a bit like Paul Verhoeven and Guillermo del Toro and Dennis Vilner, they'd all kind of become great exports and yeah. done really well in the, the America. So the effect of the Australian news wave is, was this kind of unique quality that they brought an interesting yeah. trademark to the films. Another director, which we're going to talk about, is John Woo. Now, John Woo is probably one of the most, if you watch a lot of the Hollywood films, they he became on the strength of films like The Killer and Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled, for me, is probably my all-time favorite John Woo movie because it is absolutely wall-to-wall. -wall. It's got Chow Yun-Fat... Oh, right. Like, like most of his big films. So, you know, and in, essentially, it's a cop and a... And a crim to a ruthless cop and a ruthless criminal. And at the outset, there's this scene in a Chinese restaurant where there are like basically guns hidden in bird cages. 
And literally the first 20 minutes of the movie are just manic shootouts. Everybody, it's like the guns are going like that. People are being shot left, front and center. About, about 40 or 50 people die in the first. Yeah, like, and, it, just, so and it does not stop right until the yeah. very end when there's this incredible climax in a hospital. And people, there's like explosions and there's there's like bombs underneath. If people, people get shot at point blank range in, shot at point blank range in bloody, in libraries and stuff. It, it's bananas. And there's but, that wonderful continuous shot as well yeah. they do when they but, get out the other But he's also, the, he's also the king of the Mexican standoff. You know, you normally have like yeah. two people pointing their guns. So that was created in things like Tarantino. Also, um, he went off to do, his, I think his first American film was a, was a thing called, no, it was Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And then he did Broken Arrow with John Travolta and yeah. Christian Slater, which again is... The last 20 minutes on a Chinese shoot, there's like people, you know, there's, you know, a helicopter sort of sco scoops along a, alongside a thing and actually sort of kicks, you know, you know, you did right to knock somebody off. There's, um, and, but, it, you know, the action and Tom Cruise used in for Mission Impossible 2, which is such a contrast to the De Palma original. Yeah. But again, it, it just doesn't feel, it, it's, it's all guns and motorcycles. Has he done anything that isn't action? Like that, is it just for no, always, he's the guy, he's, he's, he's the guy. He's got such a, he's got such a unique, um, I suppose, signature on his films. And also as well, I doubt anybody would take him seriously. If he went off and did a romantic comedy, yeah, he would yeah. say, well, John Woo does a romantic... They say, what, what man? You know, is, it, is somebody going to get shot? Has, hasn't he done the um, the uh, Keanu Reeves shooting everybody in the face thing scenes? Um, is he that guy? No. What's the two films he did where his, his guns... Oh, there's Face Off he did. No, the recent Keanu oh, Reeves. John Wicks. John, John Wicks. Wicks. Is he John Wick, no, he didn't do that once. Oh, I thought he was the director on them. No. But he did... Um, but. That said, where there was, I'm trying to, you, you actually just triggered something else. I was trying to remember what you just, there was another movie I was talking about. Oh, Face Off. That yeah, was it. Yeah. Now, Face Off is an incredible, I would safely say next to Hard Boiled, it is probably his, his, it is just a glorified action movie where basically John Travolta is trying to pursue Nicolas Cage. John Travolta is the FBI agent. Nicolas Cage is the, is the criminal. <coughs> to try and get a, he's basically trying to get in on his brother. So basically that he gets Nicholas Cage's face. They swap faces. Yeah. The fortunately, it's brilliant. Unfortunately, John Travolta is actually has the, the face of, um, Nicholas Cage Yeah. and John Tra and Nicholas Cage basically steals his identity and then ingratiates himself on Joan Allen and, um, and Dominic Swain. The first 20 minutes of the movie are actually a movie in itself because it's a tr trace on a plane crash. And there's a, there's a wonderful take, you know, like that they're bit, there's lots of these, these Humvees chasing this vehicle and they, they bring the thing off and then it literally sort of hits into a, um, like an aircraft hangar and there's like explosions. It's just this gunshots and it's, and it ends with this terrific boat chase where everybody's literally. It ends in the speedboat chase. It is, oh. yeah, it is the most gloriously stupid film uh, and it is wonderful. <laughs> it is so much fun. Yeah. But the actual thing for the gloriously silly and stupid action film of all time, which is actually as intelligent as can be, it has to be Con Air. <laughs> it's the only film I haven't seen. I okay, just, so I'm not a fan of. Is it Nicholas Cage? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in a nutshell, 
So much over. Nicholas Cage is Cameron Poe, who basically comes home from. He's a convict. He's a, no, he comes home from as being a ranger, oh. and he goes to see his wife, played by Rachel Potter, and they've got a kid, and he's, the kid's not been born yet, and he gets into an altercation with a couple of guys, killing one of them, and ends up in prison. Oh right. So yeah. he's on. He's sort of. He, he sort of comes out early, and it basically he hitches a ride on a plane, who of other convicts who are actually on their way to a new state penitentiary. Yeah. So this this plane so is he's special forces. He's, he's like yeah. everything. So okay. they're hitching a ride. This this is how it's wonderfully silly, but it's just <laughs> great because it's it it it's just so wonderfully entertaining, and you just forgive all the things thing because I can never I couldn't really take Jerry Bruckheimer stuff seriously after this. So the plane's on its way, and then somebody decide one of the one of the guard convicts, like Dave Chappelle, decides to set fire to a, the Indian on there, and they take over the plane. So John Malkovich, who plays Cyrus the Virus, and um, Ving Rhames plays Diamond Dog, Billy Diamond Dog, who is, um, and of course they take it over. And Nicholas Cage, they're not aware that he's actually yeah. a parolee who just wants to go and right. see his wife. So, um. So who who's the enemy? Who's taking over the plane for what reason? John Malkovich just basically takes over the plane. For what reason? Because they want to take over the plane. Escape. <laughs> to escape. It's, yeah, they, they, it's like a supermax thing, and these are all the most, it's supposed to be the most dangerous criminals in America. Okay, so they're trying to escape. Them. Okay. They're, they're all sort of lifers or on but, death row. So yeah. but, the, but what's incredible about this movie, it has an incredible moment, like, so spoil, another spoiler alert, they have um, Dave Chappelle sort of is trying to hitch a ride and he gets caught in the wheels. This isn't the comedian Dave Chappelle. It is, it is yeah. It is the comedian Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Dave Chappelle. He is this? He's in this, 1997. Yeah. So young. So, he must have been young. Yeah. Okay, so few, basically, they're, Nicolas Cage, they're, they're sort of concerned that the, the wheels aren't really lifting off and they're trying to get up. Yeah. So they go down to the, the hole and Dave Chappelle is actually wrapped around the, the, wrapped around the wheel. So, of course... Nicholas Cage decides to write down a um, thing message to Vince Larkin, who's played by John Cusack. He's the CIA agent who's yeah. who's in charge of it. It was his plane. So Nicholas Cage pushes the body out, and the body falls thousands of feet to the ground and actually hits and sort of t- destroys the car down the end. And they say, and they make on Vince Larkin. Um, this is because sorry, thing goes. There's a body here. He goes, what's that going to do with me? It's got your name on <laughs> stuff. And the film ends with this bloody wild-eyed climax in Las Vegas where they go down and there's there's shootings left right. But my favourite bit is is Nicolas Cage has he's bought a bunny for his kid. And at one point, John Malkovich, who's found out, this is all, forgive me if it's spoilers, but he finds out that, you know, sorry, John Malkovich finds out that Nicolas Cage is the thing and he holds up the bunny and he says, Shut up, Lord! The bunny gets it. <laughs> the the other wild great performance is um, they've also got um, Steve Buscemi as um, as a serial killer, and and a, and a pedophile. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. but he has one. Ew. But yeah. he has. But he has one of the. There's a sequence where they're dancing to Leonard Skinner. Um, Leonard Skinner's "Sweet Home Alabama." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, "Define irony." A bunch of convicts. Plane dancing on a plane to a band that died in a plane crash. <laughs> There's lots of great lines in it, and they, you know, they, it right from the very beginning. It just it's what that to me is 
a real great action movie. And is he is he being Nicolas Cage in the film? Is it or is he too early? He's for quite that? subdued, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's well, but again, but again, he. This is another thing about it. If we go back to Bruce Lee, it's again against type. You know, again, he was always doing things like World of Tart and Rumblefish. Yeah, yeah, he was right, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't really what you would say an action yeah. hero. Same with Keanu Reeves, nineteen ninety four Speed. Again, yeah, right, yeah. Jack Traven. Yeah, there's a few people then have reinvented themselves as action heroes. Liam think? Neeson in Taken. Yeah. yeah. And um, what did he do early on? He did things like Schindler's List and he was also... Before that though? Or did um, he start I, I, older, older as an actor? Well, he, he started young, but he also appeared in... Um, he also, interesting enough, which is another person we're going to talk about, he was actually a film director, Peter Swan, in the fifth and final Dirty Harry film, The Deadpool. Oh, okay. With with Jim Carrey. In. With Jim Carrey as as a... <laughs> the comedian. Uh, Jim yeah. Carrey. Well, he was known as James Carrey in the film, but oh. basically he plays a rock star called Johnny Squares. Okay. Who dies. Johnny Squares. <laughs> yeah. So the Dirty Harry films, again, going back to what we were talking about originally, again, Clint Eastwood took it over. They reshot it in San Francisco. Again, that's a really consistent series because it dealt with some interesting things. In the first film, it was a sniper, like a, who had the whole ransom. In um, Magnum Force, it was a bunch of cops who were trying to carry out things. They were a bit, he, Skeese would describe them as Brazilian death squads. In the third film, it was terrorism. In the fourth film, it was a woman swearing revenge for rape and stuff. And then in the fifth one, it's about people becoming a media circus and they created this list called Deadpool. So Harry Callan ends up on it. Has a really, if you take, it depends how you approach the next one, but there's a car chase between Harry's car and a remote-controlled model car, which through the streets of San Francisco, which is quite silly, but it's quite fun, actually. Does it look bad? It looks fun. It's okay. it's a fun movie, but um, with the um, but with the kind of the music by Lalo Schifrin and, you know, the one-liners and, you know... Cause it's got a bomb on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. got a bomb. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the first in the first film, you know, it, I mean, Southern Impact had the uh, immortal line, go ahead, make my day which was used by Robert Ronald Reagan in his thing. Um, Dirty Harry has the classic thing, I know what you're thinking, punk, did he fire six shots or only five? Tell you the truth, I'm going to lust trap myself. So you think Clint Eastwood, he was older-ish then, like Dirty Harry, and he's still doing it. Well, he'd been, he been a badass for a while. Though, That's what I'm He was doing the Spaghetti Westerns. Well, he'd, he'd just done the Spaghetti Westerns, and he'd, he'd, he was actually sort of, I think he was in his early late 40s, early 50s when he did the first. He was at, No, he was actually... 30, 1970. It was 41 when he did the first Dirty Harry. Really? So how old was he when he was doing like Fistful of Dollars and all that? That was 30, because he, 1964, 66 and 60. That is a career. All those films right to now. He's 90, he's 90 something now. Yeah, he's and got he, a big and, he, and as I say, he was the first success, first actor to make the successful transition from TV to film, because he did Rawhide. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Italy to do those Westerns. It's and then, funny to be a Western actor. And then just transition into like you were in westerns, and now be into you were in the business. You were he was in the business so long that he that he's, yeah. he's done. You'd expect well, there to be a drop off of the new but that, actors, but that was actually his choice. He wanted to say, "Well, look, I want to try different things," yeah. you know. So he he would do every which way but loose, which was against the grain. Yeah, he would do you know we, you know he did um, hang up, he did High Plains Drifter, which was on ITV4 recently, which is a ghost story. He had the outlaw Josie Wales, and then he he did things like. You know, and, you know, he, he sort of segued into directing. In the Line of Fire, which I quite yes. like, yeah. Which is, yeah. again, in the Line of Fire, is what's wonderful about that is it's actually one of the few and films... he directed that, didn't No, he? Wolfgang Peterson oh, did that. Ah, okay. But the great thing about that film was that actually it wasn't produced by his company, Malpaso. It was done by Castle Rock. 
you know, with the Rob Reiner company. So again, it was something he, he just, I think he must, after he won the Oscar for Unforgiven, he thought, well, I'm going to be a gun for hire. Yeah. Um, and then it, it's just one of those, again, what, what makes that work and what makes a good action film work is the dynamic between, again, Eastwood and John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And this is something that works really well. When you look at action heroes, I mean, if you take Steven Seagal, for example, he, I, th- <laughs> no, I was waiting for the jump from sort of actors. No, no, but his the... <laughs> early work, I think from, from Above the Law, a.k.a. Nico yeah. in 1988, through Hard to Kill, Mark for Death, Out for Justice, and then Under Siege. The first ones, I watched that first again. Under I watched Siege. that yeah, recently. Because yeah. oh, it's, it's, it's oh. on Disney Plus in 4K. Yeah. It's great, it works, great, but it's fun. but it works because it's it, it, Sagal actually is Sagal, but actually the reason it works is because of Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey, because yeah. mm-hmm. like in The Fugitive, um, you know I think it, the dynamic works really well because Tommy Lee Jones actually holds the film together. I mean they showed U.S. Marshals last night, which is the sequel, which is the which is actually the showcase for Tommy Lee Jones. Again, I think. Probably because of um, probably because Harrison Ford isn't in it. Yeah, you're right. Because a lot of his films are basically the same, but they just drop off. But there's a difference between those and like Under Siege, and it's because of the other characters. Yeah, that are having in it. It's a, not having just a good a, villain. Yeah, and also as well. I mean, uh, but the early, the, the Sagal stuff, the early stuff between that and Ninety Two with Above Law. I mean, Andrew Davis, who directed Under Siege and the um and the fugitive he also directed chuck norris in his best movie code of silence which was another chicago film from 1985 it's really if you ever get a chance it's it turns up i think it might turn up on five action or something but it's chuck norris plays eddie kuzak and there's punch-ups and there's a climax involving some automated like special weapon or something (laughs) but there's a great chase on top of the chicago train where and if you look in the trailers it leaps off and leaps into the thing um but again you know i I think sagal had actually the reason he got that was because he was teaching michael ovitz who was at one point the most powerful agent in hollywood and he got a goal in that you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, so the story goes, actually did the splits for Menachem Gole and Jean Gole. Well, based in his office, and did, um, and did a film called Bloodsport, and then he did Cyborg, and then he, he went on to do things like Time Cop, and, and actually Sudden Death, which is effectively Die Hard in an ice rink. Yes, yes. Which is, um, you he's, know, a, he's a fire marshal. He's a fire marshal. Yeah. Basically, it's a, he's kind of, he's a fire marshal who basically sort of, He's out of the service because he um there, he suffocated a kid and now he's working as security at an ice rink, and then Powers Booth who basically wants to sort of after each quarter decides he's going to shoot some senator and the guests there, but you know there's it's it's quite fun actually I mean it's it's a Peter Hyams film with dude like Outland and Capricorn One but it's fun, but again it's variations on the theme that's the thing that a lot of these movies were variations on Die Hard. Um, so well, that's that's before we get to the big ones, the Schwarzenegger, yeah. the Stallones. This is when things this action movies come into Technicolor. Yeah, it's almost cartoon. They're the first Marvels characters, really, just over the top, uh, Rambo. But it was, but there was a one-upmanship in the 1980s between Stallone and Schwarzenegger because oh, yeah. um, Schwarzenegger claimed that he was his body, and yeah. he said he never used a body double because his ego wouldn't let him. Yeah. But he 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 was really keen to get the the bloodthirstiness of things like Cone and make it like a proper thing. And then... So who kicked in? So Rocky was first. So was there was Rocky. What year was that? That was 1976. And well, Swartz came with Conan, but Conan, 82, 82. Oh, that late. But yeah. around the same time, I mean, Stallone actually, you know, broke out away from Ram, Ram, from Rocky with First Blood, which yeah. was the very first film. And what year was that? 1982. 
Oh, it's the same year as yeah. Conan. Okay. So again, Stallone described that as a whole movie. It's based on a novel by David Morrill. Um, and the book is a lot more bloodthirsty. And in the original book, he dies. Yeah. You know, so yeah. basically, um, Kirk Douglas, so the story goes in The Ragman Son, he actually wanted to kill off Stallone in the very first film because he believed that Troutman, who's the character that ended up being played by Richard Krenner, um, he created a monster and he wanted to create this thing because yeah. ultimately trained it. But in the case of the second film, he was trying to rewrite history. So Stallone openly admitted, could Rambo live through all that? But he said, no, we're trying to make a point. You know, so the politics of the film was Stallone's and then James Cameron, who actually got that gig as a writing gig primarily. Which one? Rambo First Blood Bar oh, 2. Okay. He got that because they couldn't start the Terminator. Because he originally... So the story goes, James Cameron wanted to start the Terminator in 1983-84, but yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger had a commitment to do Conan and the Destroyer. Ah. So they did that, and then... But so James Cameron worked on Rocky um, um, Rambo 1? He d no, he, he worked on the second film as, oh, a, as a purely writing oh, thing, okay. and he also wrote, um, again, he, again, he wrote Aliens as a, as a treatment, and then 20th Century Fox took faith, took... Um, took a chance on him and then it became a big thing how did um rambo 2 start did it pick up anywhere relevant to the it first was one? in the first film okay so at the end of the first film spoiler he he gets arrested by yeah. trauma because he's he's basically almost destroyed the town yeah and then richard krenner he breaks down in the in the in the police station yeah. and then gets goes off to prison Troutman comes up to the comes to see him in prison. He's breaking rocks. He said, "Look, I'm going to help you when you could." The second film. Second film, and he says, "Right, there's a recon for POWs in Vietnam." Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he he basically gets recruited in service, right. goes back to Vietnam, yeah. goes into the jungle Kills with an army, with and, nothing and wins, more, and wins the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the, the yeah. funny line is, he says that you know, he said, "Look, sir, do we get to win this time?" But and then he gives this speech at the end of the very the end of the second film. He says, "You know, he goes, I want to, I want everyone to know that everybody's supposed to want our country to love us as we did them." And then he walks off. And then in the third film, he's working in a monastery, and then gets Troutman gets gets captured in Afghanistan. Right, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. so it's quite it relevant helps. because we've kind of come full circle with everything that's going on in Ukraine. The Russians are the bad guys again. Um, and Rambo four. So John Rambo. Um, Which one's this now? This is the, the latest one. This is 2000, the where he's he's in Vietnam. He's in China? Indonesia. In yeah. Indonesia, when he really bulked up, is that the he's one? He's in Indonesia, oh, and it, yeah, a bunch yeah. of charity workers want to go yeah. river to Burma, and Burma is run by a sadistic guy. Now, if you thought the first three films are violent, yeah, right from the very start of Rambo, and it was actually on TV the other day, the last twenty minutes. It's just, it's every, you know, there's so much bloodshed. I mean, he, they've really upped the blood ramp because people get literally. Yeah, it's not just death count. It's blood. It's, well, specifically bloody. With, with that and with the other one as well, the, the one, the, the more recent one. Yeah, Rambo Last Blood, which yeah. I did see, which again is. I, I saw that. Well, well. basically, his, um, his niece goes off. Yeah, to, I saw I just gave up. I just thought, oh, uh, I kind of. This okay, year old man. It was a guilty pleasure for me. No, it, I did. it's. I kind it, of like it is. If you're a Rambo fan, I, I, yeah. I thought it was okay because yeah. I think it, it sort of finds. And he said, you know... Look, what, what mood's he in as a Rambo? Is he jaded still? Is well, he, he American? The trouble is he's, he's been jaded in yeah. every bloody film. <laughs> but the lot, that Indonesian one, he really was like, oh, for fuck, I hate everything. He goes, <laughs> he, goes, fuck, he goes, fuck the world. But the thing is, he's, he gets into, like he says at one point, he's hold, like he's, he's, he sort of holds an arrow against one of the things. He goes, listen, this is what we do. 
you know, so if you want a VAR now, then it won't matter and stuff like that. But then, but, but I, what I loved about it, and I do like Ram, John Rambo, Rambo because it's actually the relentlessness of the, yeah. the you know, well, it's what a Rambo movie should be. And it just, it's, it's, it, but if, if you're not into, I mean, that scene where he takes that huge gun and then he literally liquefies the bloody truck full of thing. I was like, what the hell is it? But that, well, the funny thing about it is it's such a wow moment because you look at it and you're thinking, did that really happen? <laughs> well, the, the thing is that is like, it, I think it, in, in lots of films, they cut away from that. So you yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're, you see someone do something horrible, someone about to get shot in the head and it's sort of, go, you go, boom, and you go, you get the reaction shot of the guy doing it, it cuts away. No, it sort of lingers on it. And you're like, oh, you're expecting it to sort of cut away and it doesn't. Well, and you're it's like, completely okay. proactively trying to shock you. Yes. I mean, when you're shooting people in the face with helicopter weapons. <laughs> well, that's what I found about the, um, uh, like, the last one as, as well. Like, he was sort of, he rigged up all these booby traps again. Right. Booby traps so he's more up. intelligent in this one, isn't he? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was all these sort of, uh, uh, sort of cartel, Mexican cartel yeah, sex yeah, yeah, trafficker yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fine, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine to be horrible. It's like Nazis. It's really do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but he was sort of, he sort of had punji sticks and they're all sort of going, ah, and then he just walked up to them and just put a, it's like a sawed-off shotgun and blew the head straight off. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, he's like finishing off the wounded. Oh, and I was like, oh my God, you know. What um, happens at the end? Is he done? He's kind of done. He brings the girl back and then, and then essentially there's this montage in the end credits, which is all the kind of key moments from the yeah. original film because it shows like a montage of images from all the first books because oh, you kind right. of sense that he's yeah, yeah. like with Rocky Balboa. Yeah. He kind of got to the point where he'd... You know, I think he, he's got to the point where he just wants closure with it. He knew he had another film in it, but I think Stallone, I think, wants to sort of move into directing and stuff. And I think Rocky Balboa, slightly changed subject, was a really great way of ending that saga because it was very satisfying. I think it's the best sequel of the Rocky movies, emotionally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I do... I do kind of love four, but <laughs> well, I've, I, I like I've actually four. seen. Well, I've yeah, a, I've yeah. actually seen. I've actually seen the Rocky V Drago cut. Oh, oh yeah, yes, meant to we, ask we, about we, this. I think we talked about that. Yeah. So time. I I actually saw it. So they said there was forty five minutes of added footage. It's not no, that. It what they've that done is they've recut it. So the new cut, the re, the new cut actually basically opens with Rocky and Apollo talking in the gym after he loses to Clubber Lang. Okay. So that's the start off point. Then it goes in. So there's a few. So more, there is new footage. There is new footage, but it's not the 45 minutes that everybody was talking about. Yeah, I thought you had to have 45 minutes of no, new no. footage. Well, what he did was he, he did a recuts because he wanted to make it more like Rocky Balboa. And actually, it's a much more satisfying right. cut because it doesn't focus so much on. Although in the in the original cut of Rocky Four there was montages and it still has that. Yeah. But it's much more assured. I think there was a lot more in that. Um, which I liked. I mean, the the actual Godfather Coda, the the death of Michael Corleone, actually is a better cut than the Godfather Part Three. But I've had people say to me, you know, I I tend to agree because it. I, people, I have it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it yet, yeah. unfortunately. But it's but it starts off the opening sequence in that is actually with um, Michael talking to the Pope. Okay. It starts with that, but there's also some interesting subtle cuts which Coppola has made, and it's slightly shorter. It works better. But I think people, I think the problem is, is people who, when we speak, they say, well, because Godfather 3 was such a disappointment, they kind of feel it sacrilegious to think that this sequence. But to, to go back to the Rocky Four, so um, is it worth it? Is there enough there? 
the, to see it. It's the same movie, but I know Drago's got a yeah. bit more speaking. It's a it's the same movie, but I think it works. The the, the cut is a bit more assured, and it's is there a, anything they t- cut out. Not, they've just the, re, they've re-edited it, right, okay. but but the, for me, it's it's actually been cut similarly to Rocky Balboa. It's you know, it's not as. I hear that it's a lot of you. You get the idea that Drago's been held down. He's he's part of. He's not the evil. He's it's just, it's actually well. He's he's more humanized right. in the film. But again, it, it's you you'll you'll notice because if you've seen the film several, lots of times yeah. like we have, you'll not you'll notice whether can you th- right. like when it when you when I watched it at um, the Prince Charles because they had a half hour Q and A afterwards where okay. Stallone was interviewed in a special extra, oh, really? yeah. but it just works so much. It I think it works so much better as a cut. Yeah. Mm. And um, a bit more dimensional than just eighties blam, blam, yeah. blam. But I, I like, but I like the kitsch. Fact. The, 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 yeah, that's I what I'm like hoping they didn't cut that because out. Because it is kitsch and yeah. it's silly. And it's, it's, They've left the uh, James yeah. Brown in. <laughs> oh, the ge- no, that's, that's fine in there. I mean, it still has the kind of, it still has, you know, st- it still has. Um, <laughs> I always felt an affinity for Drago when that was going on, when he's in the crowd looking around. Because I was in the well, cinema I going... Up, I coked up James <laughs> I was sort of looking around going, what's going on here as well? Well, also yeah. the montages, <laughs> the montages are changed. Like they're actually done oh. in black and white. Oh, oh, really? So they've changed, they've changed certain imagery. Hmm. What does that get? Black and white? Yeah. What does that do to oh, it? Oh, yeah, but I'm just thinking, does that work? Black no, it's no white? easy way out. Oh, yeah. okay. get it right. They still, no, <laughs> st- they still have the, the hearts on fire thing as well, yeah, which is great. But yeah. but yeah, no. It's did the um um uh, uh don't spot did is was the ending much different? It's it's probably that I, I think it's, Cause it just does a speech, doesn't it's, it? It's yeah. it's a it's a much better, more assured thing. I think they still keep the essence of what the original right, film yeah. was, but the way it's been edited is a much more satisfying experience. What's he? Um, what's Stallone up to now? Stallone. Um, God say there's no Expendables coming out anymore. No, I mean he's he's done all that. I I think he's kind of well, he's he's in some new kind of gangster film, gangster series in America on Paramount Plus. Okay, um, I'm trying to remember what it TV is. show. It's a TV show. Yeah. So he's kind of he's kind of been quite pleased because he's got he's got the first opportunity to play because he's all wanted to play a gangster. Is he? Oh, I was going to say, is he? Playing it's something gangster? like I think it's the usual thing. You know, it's it's a, a gangster trying to reform and then. You know, it it doesn't pull back run. in. Yeah. Gets pulled back in, but um, you know, it it's gonna. You know, it's part of this showcase for Paramount Plus and stuff. Yeah, well, they've got to have something on it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of content being made. If you think now, all the channels in Netflix and Disney Plus just vacuuming up content, content, content. Yeah, they're. Just, I've lost track of who's going uh, where and doing what. That's the thing, is because Paramount Plus has just released in uh, in this country. I think a couple of weeks right. ago. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh. Um, oh right, but um, but yes, yeah, so, so, but it, honestly, I was having a look at it and I thought, eh, well, maybe I'll give it a go. But then I just don't have the time. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't not have enough, the time yeah. for another. Well, it's it's service. you know the thing is sometimes you you when you look at what they've got on Netflix. I mean, I've got Netflix and Disney Plus. Um, you know, it's it's just for me. I I look at the recently added section of Disney Plus, and you know, a new a new movie comes out. I mean, there's one, there's a prison movie with Robert Redford and James Gandolfini just appeared called The Last Castle, okay. which is um, about a guy who's I think Redford's a, a guy a bit like Lockup. You know, the the, the so This is an older film. This is an older yeah, film yeah. from 1998, I think it is 97, uh, somewhere around that time, and it, it's it's a bit like the same territory he. Redford used in Brubaker. Um, 
But it's you know you know he was getting quite old for it now, and as I say, I think he's just retired. He did his last film, The Old Man and the Gun, which which is kind of a gentle thing, but it's it's not a really a great one of Redford's best. What's um what's Schwarzenegger up to now then? Well, I think he's doing the Arnold Sports thing in um, in Birmingham. I think that's the next the thing. The exhibitions. There's a thing called Arnold Sports, which is a, I suppose it's a sporting contest or something. But the, I've seen the adverts on... Uh, yeah, he's got the exhibitions, but movie-wise. Um, so what happened after the zombie film? Has he done anything since then? I don't think he's done anything since he's been... Um, I think he's not doing any directing. I know that. No, so no, he, I don't think he's. I think no, he's. I, I think so. he's kind of. Um, you know, I think he's promoting this Arnold Sports, but yeah. I, I think he's not got the same kind of. He's not got the same kind of pull as he used to. I think his big era was thirty years ago with Terminator Two. And has he? Um, has he done anything since Maggie? Or was that the last one? Because it's quite easy for him he to did do. A cult, I think, yeah, he sort of was starting to. He did a few He did a thing stuff. called The Last Stand. That was, I remember yeah, that. that was, yeah. yeah. And then he had that, then he had that kind of um, thing in expend. It was like Expendables or Expendables 2 where him and, on, yeah. and Bruce Willis turned up. Well, that's what they get to that age and they just start popping up in places, don't they? I wonder if it, uh, Bruce Willis will end up doing some little... I, 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 you think it was just cold cut? Um, I think. I think. I think, I think it, it, the pro, the problem is, is you know, although, although he is a na- known name, I mean, it's a bit like Val Kilmer in Top Gun Maverick. You know, that to me, when I saw him in that, you know, because I saw the documentary which he was based. Is that the new one? That's the, the new one, yeah. and he he has he has a real he has a, just a brief cameo, but he's because of his throat um, operation, he's he he's a pale shadow of the Kilmer. Yeah. Kilmer. What's happened to his throat? Well, he he had um he had the fr- he's had cancer. Oh right. So unfortunately, he's had a track he's had a tracheotomy, and yeah. and essentially they did a documentary in which he talks about his memories called Val, and his narration is actually done by his son, who sounds exactly like Val Kilmer. Okay. It, the understanding that I had was that apparently they were going to try and read dub his voice so that oh, no. so that he they could make like there was some kind of technology that they could use to to sort of re, re, recall the voice yeah but they apparently they used to be of that with uh, the new obi-wan show like that isn't james old jones which, oh no i think they used a bit of computer yeah. trickery with that but but the thing is is i think it's a wise decision that actually i mean he you know it, it's kind of like the, the the veterans i mean he he sort of doesn't last very long in, in top Gun maverick but he wisely, I think what's nice is that they didn't do that. So I think the fact that it's common knowledge that he is the way he is and he speaks, he, he's talking like this and he's, and he's writing things down and there's a wonderful poignant moment where he does it. But it doesn't detract from the fact that Top Gun Maverick for me is one of the best experiences I've had in the cinema. Really? It's a fant- it's better than top it's uh, in terms you know, of what storyline. It's the, better the than it's better than the original. Yeah. Um I think it's a great action movie. I mean the actual the the actual visual plane sequences surpass the original film. Who's the director? It's um it's jo- Joseph Kaczynski who did um, Oblivion and also Tron Legacy. Okay. Is that a Tom Cruise film? Tom Cruise yeah. film. Oblivion. And what but Legacy? Tron, Tron Legacy, which was the sequel to Tron. You know the film with Jeff Bridges, right. the, yeah. the computer Quite thing? a gap in between. What's the, anything else he's done? I think those were the only two. But he did. Um, but it, it's it's fantastic because it's it's really great in the IMAX. I mean, right from the get go when they play the the iconic Harold Faltermeyer Chopgun theme, and then it segues into Danger Zone. <laughs> it just starts like that, and then 
It's um, because they used IMAX cameras, and you know, oh, okay. it's a, it's a, it's like a next generation yeah. of things. And and Miles Teller, who's in, from Whitlash, he plays the son of Goose, who died in the original. And there's there's this kind of one-upmanship about it. But if you, I wasn't a great fan of Top Gun, the original film, because I felt it was too much like very bromance, very sentimental. This one actually is just joy i mean the the top gun fans will like it but if if you didn't like the original it's actually because a lot of people have actually said this they love it for the the fact that it actually is it's exactly the top gun film that we wanted to see originally right okay, okay. what's happened to i've forgotten his name now the wrestler the plastic surgery what's oh mickey rourke yeah what's he done recently not much i um, thought he was coming back he was a. Uh, well the wrestler was his comeback was he in spider-man as well he was in Iron Man. Iron Man Oh, too. Iron Man, that was it. Yes. And then he had Brett, he, and I um, thought, this is it, he's coming back again. I mean, he he, he did, um, I think, after the original one. I mean, he, he was one of those key iconic actors yeah. of the of the 80s, but he he kind of did missteps. I mean, he did a thing called, um, he did a thing called Barfly, and then he decided he want to be a boxer and got beaten up and yeah, stuff. Was, mm. <laughs> yeah. Old, old, old career choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a multi, multi-millionaire. Well, I'm going to go get punched well, in the and face. And then I think he went through a rough period where I think at one point he was sleeping in somebody's car. And I think it was, I think it might have been somebody like Stallone or somebody who who put decided to put him in. Um, he got he got sort of an opportunity to appear in a movie with somebody like Stallone or somebody or Mel Gibson. I think they gave him a break and then that became the start-off point. Was he in The Expendables at all? <sighs> I think he was, was he? Wasn't he? Was in? He was in something. I think it might have been Iron Man too. But I'm trying it's to definitely remember. Iron Man. He had yeah, the whip. He was, didn't yeah, he was, yeah. He was, he was Iron Man. But that, but he he kind of somebody gave him a um, somebody gave him a break, and he and on the strength of that, they trusted him again. I so mean, before the wrestler, I thought that was the one that he was given. Yeah, a, yeah. I don't remember what he done after that. Did he do anything? You think because he. I, I, he should have yeah. won an award for that. I think he did win that. He won the BAFTA. He won the BAFTA for best actor for the wrestler, but I think his 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 kind of comeback work has been quite sporadic. Right. Okay. Um, and there isn't there isn't mental health or drug things. Is there is to stop him? I don't know. Chances maybe. are, no, no. From what you, if you see him, I think there probably was some level of drunks involved. I mean, he was in. Um, I just thought he was making a comeback he, after he, the he seems a bit of an erratic. Type yeah, guy, he seems so. to vanish. But he, yeah. but he always was. Yeah, uh, that's what, yeah. Um, uh, Will Smith. What's happened since the slap? <laughs> well, he's <laughs> that was heard around the world. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, he must have had films planned to come well, out. He, he was originally planning to do. I think the latest thing is he's trying to do a sequel to I Am Legend. Oh, that's been a problem for a while. Yeah, because he he wants to do that, but I think the problem is he died at the end. Well, I can't remember. Keanu Reeves died in the Matrix, and he came back for Matrix Resurrections. You know, and you know, and but I I think that that with respect to what happened, I just think that he, with the whole Black Lives Matter and everything else, I mean, he well deserved that award for King Richard. But he's he's. I think the problem is he did shoot himself in the foot because of that. I think it's it's very you know when you're if he had the opportunity on that night to just say thank you and do stuff. And at this time when we've got woke and we've got like Black Lives Matter, he probably didn't do anybody any favors. He didn't help anyone. No one no. came out. Of that. And I mean the fact no. that he the fact that he got banned for ten years and he, and even he regretted it. So. It's, but I mean, in terms of movie, he must have had movies coming out after that already Net- filmed. I think Netflix or Amazon had a deal with him, and then they put it on hold. Oh, and he, he and it, it's like you know, you you 
It's like, it's like, for example, if you take what's happened with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp recently. Now, Johnny Depp, again, he again was a, he, he was another guy. If you talk, he's another example of somebody who actually found his way into action with the Pirates of the Caribbean film. Yeah. He's now going to find, because he's won this court case, he's actually fi- going to find himself sort of in favor again because this is what happens in Hollywood. Mel Gibson was the same. You know, he went for a period where he was, yeah. you know, this Hellraiser thing. And then he, then he, he found that he was, um, you know, he, be, he became like, you know, with things like, um, Hacksaw Ridge, he be, and he's, he's, he's going to be, div, he's going to be directing the fifth lethal weapon. Oh, okay. With, um, because Richard Donner died, but he basically, Richard, you know, and I, I think that'll be an interesting sequel because, you know, Gibson's an established. I thought there was a fifth lethal weapon. No, it was on. It was on. It had been in the in the works, and Richard Donner and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover were going to do it. Yeah, but then Richard Donner died. Is Danny Glover still about? Danny Glover is still there, but then they. But I think Gibson asked Danny Glover, "Would you be productive?" But I, I believe that it will be a good one because Gibson is. I can, I can believe that will be a good one because yeah. Gibson's an established director because he's done Braveheart and Apocalypto, and he's Hacksaw Ridge, which is a fantastic war movie yeah. with um, Andrew Garfield. Um, so. That one I would definitely look forward to. You, you reckon with Will Smith that nothing's uh, uh, um, too bad has happened, but they're just sort of like testing the they, water at the moment well, to they, see they, they how will, things work. What they will do, like anything, is when something bad happens to somebody in Hollywood, it happened with Winona Ryder. Yeah. You know, Winona Ryder, for example, after her shoplifting was out of favour, she's now found faith again, favour again with because of Stranger Things. Okay, so, so you just she, leave it alone and come you know, back. Because, because you know, if you've, if you've got talent, talent will always talents will always kind of win through yeah you know michael j fox for example you know he you know he kind of you know with parkinson's for example he did manage to have a successful career after he was diagnosed um with things like spin city and stuff like that but he's but again he'll always be known as martin flying back to the future um but will smith i think it remains to be seen i think they he he's got to do a lot of groveling and he's got to kind of, he's got to actually go on set and he's got to sort of be one of the boys again. He's yeah. got, he's got to kind of go back to that period before Bad Boys when he was a, when he Nin- was kind mid-90s, of, mid 90s. When he was kind bit, of, yeah. he, before he became a marquee person, because he was doing things like Six Degrees of Separation. And around that time, he has to get back to basics, a bit like Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy became this huge star and he did Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours. But again, he lost his way a bit and became a little arrogant. And then he, you know, he kind of reestablished his career with things like Shrek and, you know, Dolomite is my name. I love that. Which is absolutely, which for me is actually Eddie Murphy's best performance since the Beverly Hills Cop days because he he literally captured Rudy Ray Moore, which is... And it's just a fun... It's a joyous movie about filmmaking. It is, it's it is basically, yeah. Rudy Ray Moore was, um, he, he basically w- was trying to be like, like one of the exploitation people. And then he created a character called Dolomite. And he did a movie called Dolomite. And there's a real funny trailer on there. He goes, he goes Dolomite is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. <laughs> And there's oh, a, talk, it's talking of um, uh, what's happening with the triplets film with Schwarzenegger and Eddie Murphy. Isn't he supposed to be? That's been talked about for a while. That I think that well, might you can get away with that Schwarzenegger because there's not a lot of action action, is it? You could get. But away. It, it's that again. It remains to be seen because I think also it's a movie that he was very successful in. I mean, I think 
if it's going to happen, it'll be with Jason Reitman directing because Ivan Reitman again, who directed the original, he died. Did you say Jason Reitman? Jason Reitman. Is that his son? Yeah, his son, oh, who right. did, um, he did Juno and he also did oh. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, that oh, right. Ghostbusters, it's a big star, okay. which, uh, which again, you know, but it, it's, it'll be interesting to see. But then again, is it something I want to see? <laughs> I, d- I just think it's one of those movies that you. I just think timing wise, it works for them to bring them back, put them on top. You know what it is. Danny DeVito. Is Danny DeVito still alive? Yes. But I, I, age wise, it works. Just. <laughs> well, I'm, well, again, I'm not quite sure. I'm not overly that keen on it because I just think, look, okay, fine, but um, it's. It's, I'm it's, just thinking in terms of Schwarzenegger, he's got to start, he's got to make films because he has to be in front of the camera and he hasn't got a lot of options. I think that sort of works. That's as best you're going to get, mate, as a mainstream. Well, there, there might be one final act for yeah. people like Schwarzenegger and, and, and Stallone. Cause I, I think, felt in the, when you watch the document, uh, uh, read his book, Total Rebuild, and he talks about his career and he talks about, um, uh, where him and Swart, uh, him and Stallone were, trying to outdo each other just purely on death numbers and mm. i think total recall he got over 120 deaths or something something like that and they were counting how many squibs they used to blow each- but um he said when he did the uh what was this the sh- uh, sonia what was it called red sonia red sonia and he didn't want to do it yeah. but he said i'll do it to what's his name the director peace no he did it he did it to a to satisfy his contractual obligation to dino de Laurentiis. but yeah that's it he said i'll just but do a even, couple of but scenes even, but even even <laughs> i mean i remember i remember watching a review of it in um 85 and it was like when it first came out and it's one of those things you just thought no but in, in the book <laughs> yeah. he said yeah he said i'd do it just to sort of help and he said i'll come and film amongst doing another arcade. and he said he put everything they filmed they put in the film and they shoved him on the, made the poster it, it was actually him walking through yeah. his trailer and back and having, <laughs> yeah. having a fag around the back just yeah. they didn't use it all but, the, but i think in terms of <laughs> in terms of the quality of the action i think schwarzenegger actually slightly edges the line for things like commando and raw deal yeah and red heat and total recall and the terminator films because his old films were all of a type they were cartoon characters the yeah. film sort of at least Sloan was up yeah. and down he was just blah, 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 blah. um so that's action films of the past that's we've done that we've covered everyone mm-hmm. so to finish off what's going on what 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 are you doing we're coming out we're out lockdown it's all closed down making films what's happening action wise what's who's what doing what um anything major happening it's all star trekky and star warsy and i think there's there's time i think the action the action film i think is kind of is kind of on a hiatus at the moment avatar because 2 that's coming avatar out. 2 is in december which again i saw the trailer before december yeah i saw the deals that i saw they did they saw i saw the teaser but again i'm not that enamored with avatar i think it's um you know i think it's great technically it's great but it, it didn't really do it for me um it, it was it's it, a novelty factor it the was first one. yeah it was fine i i remember watching the first film and i was like this is fine but this is it's just quite bland you know what i mean and they've it, made three of them did, isn't they no no it's there needs to be the second oh. one but it, i think the no first, i mean they've, they've got more oh, in the well, pipeline. they had like five or six planned yeah. never, but i think i think cameron i think from what i gather cameron's just decided he's going to just make avatar films and then retire because oh, he, he's kind of felt that because because they take so long to make yeah. and because he's he's trying to push back the technology with you know, it, Cameron. Cameron has actually tried to be somebody who's pushed back the boundaries of technology because the 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 actual metal robot was actually originally conceived for the original Terminator, but he didn't have the technology. That's why when he created the water tentacle in the abyss, the CGI was actually where it didn't. Then all of a sudden, creating Terminator Two was actually the start-off point for the CGI era. 
of it. But the wonderful thing about that is, is that there are real subtle moments. I mean, what, but you also have to have moments of realism to punctuate the CGI. Mm. The classic example is in Terminator 2 when the, when the T-1000 comes through the window and he, he gets the gun trapped, you know. Through the bars. Through the bars. And then, you know, but I saw Jurassic World Dominion the other day. And again, I, I, People ask me, what do you think? I said, well, it's okay. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, the CGI is not a surprise anymore. And you well, can cut, when you want, gone. You well, so I think what they need to do is they need to get back to an in-camera, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what the next big action movie is going to be because I think Tom Cruise is really pushing back the envelope with things like Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the latest trailer, there's a brand new, watch the latest Mission Impossible trailer. It is like, Two and a half minutes of just these incredible images. You think, and it, they've kind of got. Are you talking about a new mission? There's a brand film. new mission. There's a. There's a. I think it's called Dead Reckoning or something. Yeah, it's been. And it's how many is this? Dead, Three. It's eight. It's the, the eighth, I think. <laughs> but it's. But the trailer is. Got, so the clue <laughs> is. Even count that. But the, clo- <laughs> the But the clue of the title is it's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh, God. So my feeling is, is but it does be have the final, a t- but, probably two parts. Yeah. But the thing about it is, it does have a touch of the no time to dies about it. I get a sense that they've kind of got to the point where every, it looks ultra serious. It doesn't have, you know. I think the first Mission Impossible in '96 was playful and it was really in spirit with the what the original series was. But I think that the movies have kind of veered away from that. They've kind of taken on their own identity. Mm. This new film, I think, has got to, you know, I, I think we, the kind of fun element of action has kind of gone out the window. We don't have like things like Commander where you have Don't Disturb My Friend. I think a lot of my biggest issue at the moment is that the action movies are taking themselves way too seriously. This is what I think my biggest issue with. With the Bomb movie, for example, I... There's I have, no fun in the bomb I enjoy, movies anymore, No, I, I just, enjoy Don't get me wrong. I think No Time to Die is a, is a very competently made and it's a well-made movie. But I'm hoping for the next one, whoever plays the actor, I genuinely hope they get back to the fun escapism of things like... The Roger Moore era. The Roger Moore era. That's okay, yeah, because that's interesting. And they, they, they in fact, said that recently. They said, we are going to take a slightly different direction with the next load of films, because I've been saying this for a while. I think we're due a more sort of a lighter tone of them just i to... think the lighter tone was the lighter tone was definitely in pierce brosnan's thing because although there were serious moments i mean I, I watched tomorrow never dies the other day and i like the fact you know for me there's fun moments in that where like when he has um when kaufman goes to me goes i could i could shoot you from stuttgart and still make it look like a suicide <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that and of course it's got one of my favorite action moments in it which is the the car when he's remote control car around the car park. Oh, right, yeah. He's and he's, he's got, all he's got is there. And, it, and there's, it's just literally one of the most best self-contained things. But you need, um, I want to see something like, which combines like Honor Majesty's Secret Service with The Spy Love Me, which is a spectacular opening, kind of taking the spirit of, you know, one thing they've never explored in the Bond movies since Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which again, No Time to Die tends to be mirroring because of music things, is they've never actually explored the relationship between Bond and Mark Draco, who was Tracy's father. Because in a way, he actually is this character, He's, he runs a crime syndicate in, in Europe, and he also has legitimate business, but they've never really explored that. 
you know, we, you know, we, we get a sense, you know, at the end of Unimagined Secret Service, Tracy is shot. And then, then at the beginning of Diamonds Are Forever, when, when, um, at the beginning, you know, um, Connery's going, where's Blofeld? And, in, in, and does the whole thing, but that's never really been explored in the bond. So I think that, that what they need to do is they need to kind of go back to the drawing board, say, look, Daniel Craig, you've had your fun. You did five great movies, but like reinventing everything. It's a, again, you know, the movie people are listening. You know, if you've seen it, you understand what I mean. Um, and I want more fun escapism. I want kind of the gun barrel at the beginning of the film. I want a few. I want to have fun moments with women. I felt. Oh yeah, I, see, that's the problem now. I felt got. that the um, <laughs> the first Kingsman movie was was a better bond was more of a sort of bond i, re- I quite like it quite like it was the first fun. one I just it, can't was, watch it. it was fun and it was silly and it was it was actiony but it was more of a sort of J- it was, more, it was yeah. a roger Moore era sort of 70s 80s james bond movie and i and that's why i liked it you know sequels not so much but um but yeah what's the um who are they talking about as the new james bonds well they're going for peppy reg pep peppy reggie jean i think it's oh, from from he's from brigerton um and they 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 kind of they i think what they they're looking at is i think at one point i think um although this was a joke apparently they said that prince william would make a good bond <laughs> i believe that was one thing they said um although that, that it's sort of fluctuating because i think irish idris elba apparently is back in oh, the running yeah, I again that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um i think tom hardy again was another one mm. um jamie bell was a wild card they reckon Jamie Bell was going to, he? he's the guy from, he, he was in, um, he was the original Billy Elliot, but he's a lot older now. Christ. He's cut, he's now married to Kate Mara, who's the girl in the Martian. Um, who would you have as James Bond if they're listening? I would probably. Are you going to well, go young or are you going to go mature? You've got to go youngish. Though. I think, well, the brand again. I, I, I think if, Provided, but I think he's up with The Witcher. I think Henry Cavill for me. It's it has to be somebody. It has to be somebody who, you know, they might decide they want to go with a total unknown, yeah, like Connery, yeah. like Connery did. I, I think that to me is what's going to happen. I think they what they will do is they'll pick a name actor who is kind of on stage and screen who's comfortable yeah. in the actual. I think James. I think James. Um, Norton was the other one. He was James Norton who was in, um, he did like a, I think he did a John le Carre thing recently on TV. Okay. And he, he actually was, he was doing a bit like Danny, David, Danny, Daniel Craig and stuff like that. So I, I think they, you know, they might decide that, that you know, they might want to go for somebody who's sort of in the independent zone. That might be a totally. I think un- they need that now. They need to just you know, take a chance. And, you know, but I think that's what happened. I think when, when Connery was announced, I mean, it was the reason why he got the part was that I think it was, a, it was actually Cubby Broccoli's wife, Dana, who saw him in Darby O'Gill and the little people back in the day before he saw the film. Goodness gracious. <laughs> and then, and then he said, do what do you think of Connery? And they said, but that was it. I mean, the, the studio didn't want him again with, with George Lazenby, for example, he actually was aggressively going after it. And then, and then apparently Peter Hunt, or if you watch everything or nothing, George Lazenby went in there and he got the same suit and he, he bluffed his way into the offices of Connery, of, 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 of Broccoli and Saltzman. And then he, he sort of bluffed and said like that. And then Peter Hunt's other legend goes, he goes to me, he said, look, be honest with me. What have you done? He goes, well, I'm actually not an actor. He goes, you've just convinced the two most ruthless people in the world 
that you you know that you you can be bond you're an actor man <laughs> they did them <laughs> oh um what's happened with your website the website's up you got your website up it's up yeah whatmovie.co.uk is up whatmovie whatmovie.co.uk yeah and what are you doing on there um well there's a few reviews on there at the moment some yeah. of the podcasts we've done are on there yeah. the other thing as well which i've also got is the john higgins film review official youtube channel okay Ooh. which i interview filmmakers i've just done is that uh, linked to the website is it on there it's on there yeah. but it's also on youtube yeah um some of the recent interviews that i've done include an interview with director olia alperina who worked with the late elena hutchins on um who was the woman who was cinematographer who was shot on Alec oh Baldwin's Rust. Oh, right, yeah. um, really worth watching. It's an interesting interview because they talk about, she talks about working with her and of course they were both immigrants. The other fun one was I did an interview with author John Walsh about his book on Escape from New York. Okay. So um, it's an interesting thing. He talks about that. I'm actually going to be hoping to interview him um, later this year. He's got two new books coming out, one of them on Conan the Barbarian, but also in September, that's in November. In September, he's actually got a brand new book, which is about the making of Doctor Who and the Daleks and Daleks Invasion of 2050. Oh, okay, good stuff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, um, if anybody wants to do an interview about films yeah. or talent, then by all means get in touch with me. And they can me. contact you via that yeah, website. Yeah, they can contact me via what movie. Okay. Um, you know, we've, um, you know, but, you know, you can... You know, but by all means, you know, you follow me on um, on Twitter and stuff like that. So, when's your next? Uh, you're not, you are Mr. Fright Fest to us. So, when's the next one? The next Fright you're Fest. You're always there. Well, first the next. In the queue. Well, the next Fright Fest is actually taking place again late August bank holiday. Oh, August. Um, tickets are available at. Any Fright news Fest. about it? What it is? Um, nothing yet. Although I've I'm I heard from one uh, the, the organisers do say that the actual lineup for this year will be announced on. 14th of july and i'm assuming we can rely on you to be there i will probably be there (laughs) yes um but it's going to be a great it's going to be a great atmosphere i mean the community is great and um but i'm also um i'm also doing a lot of festival coverage at the moment and um you know interviewing filmmakers and stuff so um if you go on the on the website you can see some of the interviews there's some brand new reviews there's about 300 titles on there of classic movies and um, it's it's going to evolve and we will yeah. um, we'll continue to put content on there as and when it can. It's just a case of finding the time yeah. and dedication. And also, um, obviously, we'll have you back on the show now that things are moving again. What are you, what are you thinking? What are we thinking? We never did the Westerns, did we? We did the Westerns. We did the Westerns. We did Westerns. Westerns. You did the Westerns. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last show that yeah. we did. I think no, have we done? Before, have when we did Fright Fest? Because we got we got into an esoteric conversation about what is a Western. Basically, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. When was Fright Fest then? Fright Fest was Halloween. No, yeah, we did. No, we did a Halloween special, and then I came back. Was it? No, it was. It was done after the twenty. The last event because I. I actually. It was twenty last year. Actually, it was last September. We must have done two episodes. Two episodes. We, no, we did. We did one. We did actual one, which was the Fright Fest Halloween special. Yeah. Oh, Halloween special. That, special. Was, that yeah, was a yeah. different time. Right, yeah. Okay. And then I came back and yeah, did yeah, a yeah. special on Fright Fest. What, um, uh, so what are what we thinking? What's, what, what do you reckon, Charles? What we got? Do we do, we do a Muppet special? <laughs> Muppet yeah. movie special or something? I'll have to, I'll have to watch the... <laughs> have well, to actually, the I, back. I did... Funny enough, I did... What, the Muppet movie is on Disney Plus and yeah. it has the fork in the road, Mark. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's you know? the fork in the road. <laughs> that's uh, fun. That's what I mean by going back to um, fun. I've, I'm trying to debate what we could do next. I mean, have we done comedies? No. 
comedies. Let's do let's do one okay. on comedies because I I think there's. I yeah, I think we could do one on comedies and maybe unknown comedies, maybe older comedies. You well, because there aren't any new comedies. Much, well, really. we could there's talk no fun. Well, there's, there's, there's things. I mean, I I certainly think there's more than enough great comedies that we've seen over the years. I mean, I. You know, I love everything from the Marx Brothers to, um, I mean, one of the John ones. John Candy, get him in there. Well, um, I think Splash, I think um, Blazing um, Saddles. Animal House. Well, Blazing Saddles, we have to be a bit careful about that one. <laughs> That's great. Oh, but we, okay. we did, we actually did touch on Blazing Saddles yeah, we did, in, in, the, the, in yeah. the Westerns, yeah. but I don't think we talked about oh, well. comedy. So Gentlemen, we must protect our phony baloney jobs. Yeah, and as you said, the, the world needs more humour, so maybe we'll do the comedy. I like, I like, this, I like the bit in uh, Young Frankenstein where he goes. Where, and we'll end on this where gene wilder says he goes pardon me boy is this a transylvania station and the kid goes yeah trans 29 or can i give you a shine <laughs> and then of course there's that wonderful moment where he, you know with the wall the false wall and he picks up the thing he goes put the candle back <laughs> is um no yeah he's dead gene hackman no gene what's his name gene wilder's gene Wilder. dead. where did he when did he die Died about 10, 10 years ago. Did he die before Richard Pryor? Yeah, he must have. Yeah. Rich, no, Richard Pryor died before. Richard Pryor died in the yeah, 90s because he, um, uh, again, he was, um, let's just say he had, he liked his drugs. Yeah, problems, yeah. yeah. He had a lot of problems. Okay, well then I think we're going to lead the charge and bring back comedy to the world. Okay. Humor. <laughs> so that's the show, John. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. See thank you. Bye, and thank you very much. Cheers. Here's your story. Let's begin. Could be larger than